Hello, and thanks for listening once again to all my regulars. This is Elliot Cox with Touchstone Financial Education. I can be found at touchstonefinancialeducation.com, as well as my LinkedIn page under Elliot C. Cox II. Have any questions, comments, whatever, want to say hello, go ahead and reach out via the website or my LinkedIn page. I'd love to hear from you. Also, a shout out to my international listeners the last few weeks from Canada, Switzerland, and the UK. Quite a few of you. Thank you very much. I truly appreciate it. And also, to those in other countries as well, thank you. And too many to list, but those are the most recent. Now, on to the show. What will we be talking about today? Today, I'm going to switch gears. The last two podcasts I put together, I was talking about technical trading for stocks. And I'm going to get back to that. But I thought because of all the interest in and around interest rates through the Federal Reserve here in the United States, as well as inflation and asset allocation, which I've also spoken about before in previous podcasts, I thought it'd be a good idea to kind of switch gears a bit and talk about bonds. So this will be the first of two or three that I'm going to put together on bonds, all right? Now, just like with stocks, I ran through the fundamentals first, and then I ran through some technical components. Now, I'm not going to do anything on the technical side for bonds because it really doesn't apply here, but I do want people to have an understanding of how bonds work and how they relate to the current interest rate environment. So let's get started. What is a bond? A bond is a unit of debt. That's it. No more, no less. So when companies or governments or government agencies want to raise capital, they go to the capital markets, okay? And the capital markets are split into two components. That is the equity side or the stock side of the market, which I've spent the previous 15 or so podcasts talking about, as well as the bond side of the market. So the capital markets encompass stock and bond markets, all right? So in this case, we're going to focus on the debt side of the capital markets. And that bond is a unit of debt. So what that means is instead of issuing stock to raise capital, now governments of course don't do that, but private companies do, they'll go into the market and they will raise capital by issuing this debt and we as investors make interest on that debt. And we call that interest either income or yield in various forms. Okay, so when we buy a bond, not only do we look at the price of the bond, but how much income we can earn. Now, generally speaking, bonds are more stable than common stocks, as we've spoken about before. So when we look at an overall asset allocation, we use bonds to generate income if you're close to retiring or retired, or we look at it from the perspective of providing stability to the portfolio, reducing that volatility. That's what bonds, for the most part, are used for. Okay? Now, bonds come in several different components, all right? So when we look at a bond, now, today we don't get certificates like we used to back in the day. I mean, you could, but really, it's an electronic version. But if you were able to look at a bond, if you were to hold a certificate, what you would notice is the face value of the bond, meaning how much the bond was issued for. Most bonds are issued in $1,000 or $100 increments across the board. That is, corporates, and government and government agency bonds. Okay, now of course, you can buy bonds in smaller increments like double E savings bonds that we get here in the United States that 
many of you might have had as kids when you were born, whatever. We'll get to that in just a second. But for the most part, the face value of a bond is $100 or $1,000. You'll also notice on a certificate or even logging into your system, there is a maturity date. So bonds mature. Okay. Now, technically, a bond is issued at 15 years to 30 years. There are some longer-term bonds out there, but for the most part, it's 15 to 30 years. That's a bond period. All right. So we've got the face value, we've got the maturity, and most importantly, we have the interest rate listed on that certificate. Now, as bond investors, and we go into the capital markets to buy a bond, whether it's through a fund or we want to buy an individual issue, we're probably not going to get the interest rate that is on the certificate. All right. We're not going to get the bond yield, as it's called, the income at issue because bonds do trade or they do fluctuate. Right. Again, not as much as stocks, but they do fluctuate. So the yield we have. All right. Comes in a couple of categories. Now, we're going to get into the weeds a little bit here, but there is yield at issue. That's when the companies or governments or government agencies issue a bond. That yield, whatever's on that certificate, is called a yield issue. That's when it's brand spanking new. Okay? We also have current yield. Now, current yield is, for the most part, when we're looking at a quote in our system or watching shows on CNBC or Bloomberg or Fox News or whatever it is your, your business channel is in your country, the current yield is what we see. That means if you were to buy the bond today, this is how much you would earn from that bond, how much income you would earn. And then there's others like yield to maturity and yield to call. And briefly, yield to maturity are for a specific type of bond that doesn't actually pay out cash, but you collect the interest at the maturity of the bond. And yield to call, sometimes bonds come with what's called a call feature. And what that means is, even though they issued the bond for a 30-year increment, let's say, a company might include a call feature which would allow it to retire the debt sooner than the maturity date, okay? And that is something that's a little different. For the most part, we don't see that because as bond investors, you know, we invest through funds and not having the individual bond. But if you bought a bond with a call feature, it might not mature, let's say, until 2032, but it might have a call feature that would allow the bond issuer, all right, to call in the debt long before 2032. So it's just another feature of a bond that we kind of look out for if we're buying individual issues. Now, another component of a bond that you're not going to find on the certificate, all right, is called credit quality. So Bond issuers, again, governments, companies, government agencies, bond issuers have a credit score, just like we all do, all right? Now, the three big institutions that issue the credit score, or the credit quality, as we call it, it's credit quality, come from Standard & Poor's, Moody's, and Fitch. Now, all three of them pretty much use an alpha numeric designation going from one digit all the way out to three, okay? And they start with A, and they go down to C and sometimes uh, D, which we'll get to in subsequent podcasts on this, well, that's junk bonds or technically called non-investment grade bonds. 
but the higher the letter, the closer to A it is, the higher the credit quality. All right. So if you're looking for a bond and you find one that has a credit rating from, let's say, Standard & Poor's, it might have a AAA rating on it. And that's the highest credit quality that you can get on a bond. And a lot of times, big mature companies or government agencies issue bonds at that level. Now, the higher the credit quality, the lower the yield or the lower the income we can earn because it is more likely that the issuer will pay off the debt. All right, so we're not taking that much risk. So again, the higher the credit quality, the lower the income. Now, if we were to move down into B and C territory, all right, they're going to have to issue these bonds at higher yields because investors are taking on more risk. And the more risk you take, the more income you earn. And in this case, again, the lower that credit quality. Nothing wrong with that. Just please understand that if you were attracted to higher yield bonds, chances are you were taking more risk with a lower credit quality. All right, let me give you an example. U.S. government bonds have a triple A rating. That is the highest rating you can get. So U.S. government bonds are issued with the full faith and credit of the United States. That pretty much means that you're going to get your money back if you buy U.S. bonds. Okay. If you're looking at some corporate debt from maybe a newer company that has a B rating, maybe a triple B, you're going to earn more money, but again, you're taking more risk. And here's the thing. When we look at a bond and we're buying one, let's say, that was recently issued in the last few years and it's not going to mature for decades, that also goes to how much interest we can earn. So the longer the time to maturity, the higher the interest rate because the longer our money is exposed to the risk of the bond market. So credit quality and duration or time to maturity will determine the interest that we earn. And what's that interest called once again? It's called yield. Okay, so just keep that in mind as you shop around for bonds or even as an exercise you want to understand more about bonds. Um, that's, that's a real important component. Now, most platforms these days, they have their own... Um, inventory of bonds. So you don't really have to shop too much. You can just log in to whomever you're using, TD Ameritrade, Schwab, Fidelity, whatever, and they will have some bonds that you could take a look at of all different types uh, and all different types of credit quality. All right. And it is kind of interesting to take a look at in terms of how the bond market actually works. Now, remember I said that bonds do fluctuate. Okay. So bonds increase in value, of course, and bonds decrease in value. Now imagine a seesaw, all right? When the bond is issued, the seesaw is level with the horizon. It's flat. Now, depending upon what's going on in the bond market, the bond might increase in value. Now, if it increases in value, on the other end of that seesaw is the income or the yield. So the greater the increase in value of the bond, the lower the yield, okay? What we say is the bond is trading above par because at issue, the bond is flat, just like our seesaw. If it goes up, it's trading above par. So par is a, is a phrase or a word we use to describe where the bond is. Is it trading above par, at par, or below par, okay? Or below issue value, some people use, but it's par is the old school word, all right? Now, 
the bond that is trading higher in value than it is or it was at issue will have a lower yield. Okay. Now let's say that the bond market isn't doing well. And I'll tell you, last year, the bond market, for the most part, ended in negative territory and it was down between three and 5%. So some of you who have bond funds in your asset allocation might've noticed that the bonds they closed the year slightly down. Nothing to be too scared about, but it's the first time in a long time that that happened, okay? So it ended up down three to 5% for the year. Conversely, the income, the yield increased, all right? So you might've seen, if, if you're paying close enough attention to the amount of money that your bond fund earned, or if you have an individual bond issue, you might notice that the income was higher, okay, uh, from that bond issue. Now, if you, or excuse me, when you buy a bond, an individual bond now, guess what? Whatever yield you have until you sell it, you will keep. Now, I know that's confusing, but once you lock in the purchase price, and let's say you bought a bond and you bought it slightly below par, let's say, Instead of 1000 we bought it at $995 per bond. The yield is up. We'll always earn that income as long as we own the bond. The rest of the bond market will trade around it in terms of your income, but you're locked into that as long as you have that bond. Okay, so that's kind of how bonds work relative to income, the credit quality, all right, the face value, $100 to $1,000, and of course, maturity, which is the all-important date. Now, remember, we're talking about bonds here. So bonds are issued from about 15 years all the way out to 30. And like I said, there are some 100-year bonds out there, but for the most part, it is 15 to 30 years. As a matter of fact, in your system, they will show you the 10-year note from the U.S. government and the 30-year bond as well as some other bonds. So the maturity determines whether it is a bond or not. It is a note or it is a bill, which I'll get to in a second. Okay, now let's circle back real quick to who issues these things. All right, we all know that the government, and I'm going to say this, governments all around the world issue bonds. That's how they raise money aside from taxes. And when they collect tax revenue, they pay bond investors back. That's how it works, right? We want to raise money, the government will issue bonds. And Bond auctions, for the most part, for the government, they, well, not for the most part, they are. They're public. You can go to a government auction and buy bonds, but for the most part, that's left to the institution. Okay? Um, there is another classification of government bonds that I'm going to touch on here real quick, and those are called municipal bonds. Now, these are also known as tax freeze. So, if you're living in a state and you buy a state bond or a bond from your county or city, within that state, and again, you've got to be a resident, the income earned will be tax-free. And these muni bonds, municipal bonds, are issued to take care of local projects, roads, schools, housing development, whatever it may be, that's what municipal bonds take care of. So if you're riding down the street in your community and you see a library going up, well, know that your county, city, or state probably issued bonds to complete that project. All right. And these bonds, these municipal bonds come in two forms. They come in general obligation or known as GOs. They also come in as revenue bonds. And now let me explain the difference. 
A general obligation bond is just a bond to, again, build a project. We'll issue the bond, pay the investor's income, and the income earned and the income paid out, of course, comes from taxpayers. It comes from tax collections in your city, county, or state. Revenue bonds, on the other hand, are bonds that are issued by a municipality, again, municipal bonds, but they're a little different in that the income earned, okay, from a revenue bond comes from things like bridge tolls or fast pass, or maybe there's some other component of, of income generation in your community from a government agency other than taxes. Those are revenue bonds. So the revenue collected as a result of the project will pay the income on those bonds. Now, is there a difference in yield from revenue and geos? Sometimes there are, but again, that really goes to credit quality of the project. All right, so don't think that one is better than the other. It just describes how the income is paid to investors, whether through tax collections or money earned by the project itself. Campgrounds in a lot of counties um, they, you know, to maintain them, for example, they might issue revenue bonds because you pay to go camping there. All right. And lastly, we have corporate bonds, and that's pretty straightforward. Those are companies. A lot of them are publicly traded. They issue debt as well as stock. Okay. And their credit rating, much like ours, is based on our credit worthiness. Have we paid our bills on time? How much debt do we have? How long has the company been around? All of this stuff goes into the credit quality of corporate bonds. And for the most part, corporate debt is issued at a higher income or a higher yield because it is believed that you are taking more risk with a corporate bond because they need to make money to pay all kinds of things, employees and, and improvement projects on products and services, and then, of course, your debt. And where you'll see the corporate debt, by the way, the corporate bonds, um, are on the income statement and in the balance sheet as well. Now, for those of you who listen to my stock picking, the, the fundamental stock picking um, podcast will know where we can find the dividend yield on a stock. Guess what? Just below that in liabilities, whether it be current or just liabilities in general, that's where you can find bond issues as well. So it's all on that income statement and again, that balance sheet. All right. Now, lastly... Let's say, um, uh, you know, I take all this information, I find bonds in my platform, I don't want to be a bond fund investor, I want to just check this out. You know, how do I determine what works best for me? Well, I got to circle back to that asset allocation, ladies and gentlemen. First of all, determine how much debt you need to carry in your portfolio, either to generate the income you need to live on as a retiree or close to retirement, or how much you want to reduce the volatility. Okay, and then from there, you kind of this is an internal assessment, if you will. Don't do it if you can't sleep at night or it makes you nervous, first of all. And that'll help determine the credit quality of the bond that you pursue. All right, remember the higher the credit quality, the less income we will earn from the bond or the lower the yield. Okay, and that's pretty much it. And don't forget the seesaw now. When a bond is trading above par, the yield comes down. When the bond is trading below par, that's that value at issue, the yield will increase, okay? And so the next time out, we're going to cover 
this once again I'll just do a brief review but we're going to take a look at some real-life examples of how bonds actually work once they are traded in the market and I also like to cover uh, like I said bills and notes and I didn't do that today because for the most part bills notes and bonds have many of the same characteristics the difference is the date to maturity so a bill like a t-bill is issued in 13 26 and 52 week in, uh, increments and then we have notes kind of starts at a year two years so um, the US government issues two-year bonds or excuse me excuse me two-year notes five-year notes and 10-year notes and for those of you who've been tracking the bond market the last few weeks know that there was a yield curve inversion meaning the shorter term instrument the two-year note was earning more interest than the five-year note which was earning more interest than the 10-year note usually like I said earlier the further out we go the greater the income potential because we are exposed to risk longer but the bond market flipped and when that happens we call it a yield curve inversion and that is indicative of a recession usually when we get a yield curve inversion within about six months or so of that inversion a recession is looming so you might have been hearing about a recession on the news more often than not that's what triggered that slate of information being provided on financial news channels and platforms etc all right I know that was a lot but we're gonna again continue more on notes bills next time and I'm gonna review some of these components in greater detail Thank you guys for listening. Again, shout out to all my international listeners and, and of course my domestic listeners who have been following me for some time now. I really enjoy putting these together. My name is Elliot Cox and again, I can be found at touchstonefinancialeducation.com as well as my LinkedIn page and I'd love to hear from some of you. Have a great day.